0: So again, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you've had a great, uh, a, a great Easter and believing God for great things today. Amen? So let's welcome His presence here. How many people have already just sensed the presence of the Lord this morning? Have you? I really haven't. So, uh, so let's just thank Him for His presence. How about that? Father, we really do. We say thank you. And Jesus, we say thank you for just uh, for everything that you've done on our behalf, for all that you are and for all that you do in our lives. And we just say today, we welcome you. We welcome you just to come and to, to have your way in, in very, very special ways. We, we love you, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, I want to I begin this morning by, um, by asking you a question. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, and certainly, please, don't elbow the person sitting beside you, okay? But, but has anybody ever met somebody that um, they are kind of like experts in, uh, in one-upping, some the, you know, one-upping everybody around them. You know, the kind of person I'm talking about is you're, you're standing around and you're starting to tell a story and you tell your story of this trip that you went on and and no matter what it is, this person comes back and they've been there, they've done better, they've experienced more. Now, I know none of us are like that, but has anybody ever met anybody like that? Okay, you're thinking about that. It, uh, I think that... Uh, They've always got a bigger. They've caught something bigger than we've caught, right? They've uh, they've gone to a a better place. They've eaten better food. They've experienced everything's better. Okay, matter of fact, even in sickness, uh, Yvette and I used to call this. The people play the game called "top this testimony." You know, so you talk about, oh, how you doing today? Well, I'm not doing too good today. I've got a headache. You've got a headache. I had a headache one time that lasted three years. You know, it started on the side of my head, ran around my ear, crossed the back of my head, down my neck, and shot out my big toe. You know, I mean, it's top that testimony. They're always going to do something better. They're going to one-up you. And I think we see it a lot of times with children, okay? As we see, uh, anybody ever been in a place, maybe you've seen a child, one little child starts out and they they do a little spin around on the, you know, on the floor, and the, the next child has to do a somersault, and the... The next child's doing a cartwheel, and, and then there's that one in the crowd, right, that climbs up the bookcase, does a flip off the bookcase, grabs hold of the ceiling fan, spins around, does a triple turn, round off, and lands on the kitchen table, right? How many know that child? Is that <laughs> all right? How many are that child? <laughs> so we see it, we see it all the time where there's just kind of this, this one-upping that's going on. We we see it with adults. Matter of fact, I think a, a great place. If you haven't seen it lately, just go down South Broadway. All you have to do is just drive down South Broadway. South Broadway. I saw that the other day. A minivan and an SUV. Okay. Sitting at the stoplight, and you can kind of just see them glaring over at each other, and the engines kind of rev up, you know. And I thought, man, this is going to be interesting. And they take off, you know, and they're swerving back and forth through traffic, and finally, one gets ahead of the other, and you can just see the, ah, I did it. I won up to them. I did better than them. I I got them. And and let me just say this for the safety of all of us, ladies, you've got to cool it out there, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm just. You got to bring it down a notch, all right. The rest of us are trying to survive. <laughs> are trying to survive out there, and uh, this, that's, that's a true story. I really did see an SUV in and in a minivan. It looked like, well, this is going to be fun to watch. So, uh, matter of fact, I think it might have been uh, <laughs> a white something or other. Right? <laughs> so, but it uh, that's a you know, and the, the truth of this is that that this really isn't going to get us ahead. We might get a car ahead, or we might get a step ahead, but. But this whole issue of, um, of comparison, of competition, of, of trying to get ahead by, uh, of in life by just getting ahead of somebody else, it, it really doesn't work for us. Even though it's gone on for a long time, okay, it really has. This has been around for a long time, and, and it happens so much <clears throat> that there's a, there's a saying that goes like this, it's like, keeping up with the Joneses. I didn't realize this until I started re- researching, but, but there's actually a cartoon series uh, in the paper, Keeping Up with the Joneses. Does anybody remember Keeping Up with the Joneses? As, uh, uh, you can read it, and there's Pa Jones and Ma Jones, and they're always kind of uh, just topping each other's uh, the testimony of the neighbors there. Well, again, like I said, this attitude's never going to get us ahead. It's not going to benefit us. And, and in reality, it's not about just keeping up with the Joneses, or as I started researching, I guess the Kardashians, or whoever it is people are keeping up with nowadays, right? It's not about keeping up, it's about, it's really about trying to get ahead. It's about making ourselves feel better by just getting ahead in this, this comparison. It's kind of an unknown competition, and, and really there's not, a, <laughs> there's not a prize for winning this competition, but, but something internally just drives people to to want to feel better about themselves by maybe being ahead of somebody, going a little faster, going a little higher than somebody else does in life. And so there's this whole attitude of one-upsmanship. And so I was thinking about this, and I had to look it up and find out what does this really mean. So here's the definition of one-upmanship. It said it's the, the technique or the practice of gaining a feeling of superiority <clears throat> over another person like we want to feel superior to others, right? It says it's the art or the practice of achieving or maintaining an advantage over others, and sometimes, often, by slightly unscrupulous means. Trying to get ahead, trying to maybe sometimes put others down so we'll feel better than a, uh, better uh, about ourselves. Well, maybe that definition doesn't mean anything to you, but so I thought that what I'd do today is maybe give some illustrations of what one-upsmanship is, okay? So, so in this first illustration here... <clears throat> Steve, this is just for you, buddy. So, uh, how about that? My children are honor students. All right. Then you pull up, and then the next person goes, "Hey, my children go to Super Bowls, right?" Yeah, you're right beside the Mannings there. Or even in a, another scenario, we see somebody that's, uh, you know, content there with all of their awards and ribbons, and and then somebody else says, "Look, hey, I've got mine in, but I've got more. I win. I win. I win because I'm a ahead." Of, uh, of somebody else. You know, this whole issue of, of comparison, of keeping up with the Joneses, I like, I, I didn't put the cartoon up there, but uh, I like the cartoon that I saw when I was doing this research. It says, hey, honey, we don't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore. The Joneses went bankrupt. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what we want to do. We don't want to keep up with them. Uh, famed theologian Will Rogers put it like this. He said, uh, this whole mentality leads us to a difficult place because... Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't, uh, the things they don't want to impress people they don't like. How many people have ever heard of that being true in somebody's life? It's like, why am I doing this? Why am I going there? It's, I found myself. Why am I trying these things? Why am I? I mean, it's something that goes on all this time. All it goes on all the time. And the truth is, it won't even. It won't just destroy us financially. That this type of an attitude, this type of a lifestyle will destroy us mentally, emotionally, physically. It it will wreak havoc on our lives. How many people, though, would have to admit that they really do see this take place? Maybe you see it take place at your job. Anybody ever see this take place at the job and you've got that one person who's always kind of you know, they're kissing up to the boss and doing a little bit more and making themselves look better and just trying to get ahead. We see it in job situations. We maybe see it in school, in classrooms. We see it on campuses. We see it in our neighborhoods, right? We see it in relationships. We even see it in the church sometimes. As a matter of fact, this week I was... a talking to one of our friends, and uh, we were kind of just talking about, hey, you ready for Easter, ready for Easter weekend, it's going to be a great weekend, uh, somebody earlier today said it's kind of the Super Bowl of the church week, you know, world, and, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, I said, what are you preaching on? He said, what are you preaching on? I was telling him, I'm going to preach about this one upsmanship he said, hey man, I got a better title than that, listen, I tell you, I, can, uh, I, got, you know, I got a better story, I got a better sermon, he said, so we see it in churches, but you know what, we also see it in the Bible, and, the, and that's what we want to focus on today, that, that there's this attitude, there's this spirit of one-upsmanship that, that flows in the Bible, and it, and it kind of starts like this, all right? God's got a, a great plan for us. He, he creates us, He forms us and fashions us, He makes us a special people, He breathes into man the breath of life, He puts us in a very beautiful place, He gives us a, a divine purpose, a, a plan, a destiny to fulfill, but there's another person, there's another entity that named Satan, and Satan was um, was um, tried to one up God one time, and, and I like what the Bible says. Jesus says this. He said when Satan tried to one up God, he was cast out of heaven like lightning. Boom! He was gone. He was out of there, and ever since then. He has been determined. Ever since he's been separated from God, he's been determined to try to one-up God. And the way that he does that is he can't really fight God. He can't can't match God. But what he tries to do now is he tries to destroy God's special creation. He tries to destroy you. He tries to destroy me. And I think, honestly, we could look back through history and we could say that that Satan's really done a pretty good job of, of twisting and of distorting, of of ravishing the beauty of God's intention for man, His purpose that God's created us for. The enemies come in and, and in so many places, and I'm sure we could think about our own lives, we could think about the lives of loved ones and people that we know and associate with, how we can see that, that it's not God's plan that's working in their life, but it's this, it's this plan of the enemy, this plan for destruction that's taking place, that's transpiring. I think in, in many ways... Um, the enemy, Satan, has, he started to believe his own lies. He, he really does think that he can one-up God. You know, even when Jesus came to earth, uh, the devil was so brazen, he was so just audacious, he said, you know what I'm going to do? God sent Jesus here to earth for the special plan. I'm going I'm to one-up Jesus. I'm going I'm to best Jesus. I'm going to better Jesus. And in doing that, I'm going to destroy God's plan that he has for this creation known as man he said i'm going to do everything i can to short circuit this plan you know jesus came with a plan of restoration to restore man to a right relationship with god and the devil the devil says no way not on my watch i'm going to do everything i can to to derail this plan to make sure that it doesn't happen so as jesus is walking the face of the earth one attempt after another he comes and he tempts the the devil comes and he tempts jesus and Here, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you'll just worship me. And and, and Jesus says, get out of here, devil. I'm of a different kingdom. I've got a different purpose. I've got a different plan. But he doesn't give up. Satan doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He keeps trying to one-up Jesus. He keeps trying to have an impact in his life. Ultimately, what he's trying to do, though, is he's trying to keep you and me from the love, the forgiveness, the healing, the freedom, the life, the power, everything that God's designed us for. Satan's trying to keep us from it, from us realizing all of the good things that God's planned, us, planned for our lives. And here's where I think it gets kind of funny, all right? I mean, I really do because, because Satan, I mean, he really is convinced. He's so twisted and distorted. He thinks, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to win this process. I'm finally going to be able to do something to Jesus that, that just ruins all of God's plan for Jesus and for man. I'm going to be able to, to one-up him. But uh, the scripture points out that Jesus re- or that the enemy really didn't know what he was doing. Even as he was influencing people to persecute Jesus, to lie about Jesus, and, and to crucify Jesus, the scripture says that, that they did not know what they were doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 puts it like this. It says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, hey, listen, we've got a secret. We, we've got a hidden wisdom that God's given to us that we want to share, that we want to, um, we want to bring for everybody to know. So God decreed this before the ages, and listen to this, for our glory. Somebody my needs to grab hold of that today. That God's purposes is so that his glory can set upon each of our lives. It can be a part of our lives that he, he wants to do these great things for our benefit. said, so now none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Why don't you just turn to the person beside you and say, man, God's got stuff planned for you you can't even imagine. Just tell them, say, God's got great things planned for you that you cannot even imagine. It says, those things God's revealed to us by his Spirit. So what we see taking place in the life of Jesus is that God is unveiling his, his amazing plan. And you know what? These people, whether even though they didn't know it, they were a part of it. They were a part of God working out a plan for you and I to experience glorious things. So let's look for a few minutes here this morning, just at some of the tactics that the enemy used, some of the things that the enemy used against Jesus, and how Jesus overcame them, how He won up the devil, and how we can too. How many people like one-upping the enemy. Amen, Overcoming the enemy. So if we were to take a few minutes, if we were to compare the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if we were to take all of the the stories of the last week of Jesus, if we were to, in even just the last couple of days of Jesus, and if we were to bring in some some understanding from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 50, Isaiah chapter 53, 55, 57, if if we were to gather to glean some information together, we would get a picture formed in our minds and in our hearts of what Jesus went through, of what transpired, and and it would go something like this. Here are some things that Jesus experienced. He experienced suffering and humiliation. He was disgraced. He was despised. He was disfigured. This one, for some reason this week, has just jumped out at me every time I think about them plucking the beard from Jesus's face. Trying to disfigure him, to, I think, to tear down his identity. He was rejected. He was filled with sorrow. He, he experienced suffering, maybe like no one else had. He was stricken and spit, smitten and struck. Scripture said that he was pierced. The Bible says he was crushed, crushed by all that he was carrying and all that he was experiencing on our behalf. He was wounded, he was oppressed. He was scourged. They took that cat of nine tails and and whipped him and beat him and ripped his flesh. He experienced all of this. He was he was taken to a cross and he was crucified. He was nailed on that cross. For you and for me, and ultimately, he died a death that was rightfully ours. Now, keep in mind that when he did all of this, the Bible paints an amazing picture. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that while Jesus was going through all this, that this is the attitude he had in his heart and mind. It says, who for the joy, the joy... I can't reconcile those pictures in my mind. The suffering, the pain, the anguish, the, the scourging, the crucifixion, the death. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He wouldn't even allow shame to enter into his mind. Why? For our benefit. How could it have been joy? How could all of that torture, all that oppression, how that, everything that he experienced, how could it have been joy? You know how it was joy? Because Jesus knew that God was one-upping the enemy. He was unveiling a plan of love that was going to blow the mind of everybody who received it. And he realized that he was that plan and he was doing it for us. This demonstration of love is such a great demonstration of love. It's such, it's such an amazing manifestation of love. And we, we need to catch this. That it, that it not only covered every sin from Adam to you and me, to every person who will ever live. But it, it also continues to reach out to us. It, it reached out to us in such a way that that, that separation that existed between God and man, that where there were these, these continual sacrifices, people continually trying to find a way where they could be in right relationship with God. And, and Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. That's not the way you have to live. There's going to be one amazing act of love that's going to bridge the gap for all people, for you, for you. For me, for every man, woman, boy, and girl that were ever to live. I think, um, I think God won up the devil, don't you? I really do. But he wasn't finished yet. There was more to come. When Jesus is on the cross, he, he makes a statement. He says, it is finished. Anybody remember seeing that in the movie? Uh, I know. No, I just want to say it's in the Bible too, all right? So uh, it's not just in the movie. That's where they got it, all right? Okay? But it, It's finished. And when he says it is finished, every penalty, every penalty that you and I would have ever been, been guilty and ever have had to pay, it was finished. It was paid for. Every righteous require, requirement of God, everything that it was going to take to redeem us to God, to restore us to the complete purpose and place that God had us to live, every single thing was finished on the cross. We we were able to come back into a right relationship. We were able to be restored as the sons and daughters of Almighty God. We were able to do that. But God still wasn't finished. He still had more. How many people remember what we said earlier there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? It said this, it said, What eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man no no eye has seen or ear heard, <coughs> or the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who loved Him. Listen, in the work, in the life, and in the work, and in the, in the, the, the pain, and in the scourging, and in the, everything that Jesus experienced, in, including the cross, and including His death, God was working something for you. He was working something that went beyond understanding. He was working something that would touch our lives today. So let's take a closer look at what God was doing here, all right? Let's zero in just on this just for a minute. If we were to look really close, we would see that the Bible teaches this. It says that Jesus, going through all of this pain and suffering, that they blindfolded him. I I, I looked at that, and why did they blindfold him? You, You know what I think the enemy wants to do? He wants to do that for all of us. He wants to blind us. He wants to blind us to God's intentions. He wants to blind us to how much God loves us. He wants to blind us to the fact that God really does have a specific person, purpose for each and every person that's here alive today, for you, for the person sitting beside you. God's got a purpose, and and the enemy comes to try to blind us from that purpose, to get us to forget, to just forget that we're accomplishing something for God, we're living lives for God, but he wants us to miss that point. I believe he wants to try and provoke fear in these dark and shadowy times. And, and so he says that Jesus was blinded. He was mocked. He was mocked. You know, I, I looked this up and, and this mocking, it really had, it went to the point of saying, you really think you're the son of God? You really think you're the Christ? You really think you're the Messiah? You really think that you're one, the one that after all the sin, all the failure, all the things that that the people of the world have done, you think you're going to make a difference? Does that sound familiar? Does anybody ever hear those words in their ears? <laughs> Enemy ever come to try and mock you and say, you don't matter. You we're not going to make a difference. That's what he did to Jesus. He was beaten. He experienced pain. People spit in his face. Isn't that still an ultimate sign of disrespect today? For somebody to spit in somebody else's face to just say that image of God that you wear is despiteful in my sight. The beard that they plucked from his face, I talked about it. He was disfigured. His identity was, was twisted and distorted. He was struck with hands and sticks and, stu- and other items. He was scourged. He was whipped with this cat of nine tails. He was stripped naked. He was exposed before people. I think it's interesting that we think back to Adam and Eve when they became naked. The first thing that they did was they became ashamed and they went to cover themselves. And Jesus said, hey, listen, nakedness, nakedness doesn't make me ashamed because I know that I'm covered in the father's love. He bore nakedness. He bore all shame so that we wouldn't have to. So I want us to catch this today. I want us to get this, and so I really do, I encourage you, really try to zero in here this morning just for a minute, because at every point and in everything that Jesus went through, he was winning the blessing and the favor and the abundance of God for each and every one of us, everything that he went through. So, so tell the person you're sitting beside this morning, hold on, here comes some good stuff. Go ahead, just say, hold on, here comes some, here comes some good stuff. You ready? I want us to catch this. I really do. I, because I, I'm telling you, I know from the Lord this morning that there's some people here. I know what it's done in my heart this week. There's some people here who need to grab hold of this. You ready? Everything that He did, He did for us. Where He was despised and rejected, you and I are now loved and accepted. Where He was sorrowful, made to feel this depth of sorrow unknown to a man, now you and I, Now you and I are filled with the joy of the Lord. Where he was crushed with iniquity and transgressions, you and I are now made righteous. Listen, righteousness isn't about how we feel. Righteousness is about how we stand before Almighty God. And because of what Jesus suffered, you and I stand before God covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift that he gives us. Where he was disfigured, where his identity was twisted and distorted, where he, was, where he, he suffered so much, you and I are now made whole. The Bible says that where he was chastised, where he was beaten, and scourged the stripes upon his back because he bore that for us, you and I, we will get to have peace. Peace, wonderful peace. He gives us that peace. Where he experienced an anguish of soul, we have the favor of God. Where he was afflicted and tormented, we have the mind of Christ. Where he was marred and disfigured, we are made beautiful. Where he was humiliated, shame never gets to touch our lives again. Where he was oppressed, we are blessed. Anybody here blessed this morning? We are a people who are blessed. Where he was punished, we are now guiltless and we are free. We are free. I thought it was great. We started the service this morning saying we are free. We're guilt. Listen, it's not just you've been guilty and been let off the hook. Because of what Jesus suffered, you've been made guiltless. There's no charge that can be made against your your life. You are free. And where Jesus was led, the scripture says, where he stood silent before his accusers. And he was like a lamb that was led to slaughter. He did not open his mouth. He did not say a word. You know, I think one of the things that God now gives us is He gives us a boldness. He gives us a voice. And with that voice, we can share the good news. We can share the gospel. We can share every good thing that God has done on our behalf. We can share it with men. We can share it with women. We can share it with boys and girls. We can share it with people who live beside us and around us. We can share it around the world and across the street. We get to share the good news of Jesus. Amen? And you know what we do with this voice too? We get to praise Him. We get to worship Him because, because He took our place. I think that'd be a good thing to do this morning. Amen. Anybody want to join me in just giving praise to the Lord? Come on, let's just praise Him. God, we praise You. We thank You. We bless You. I'm telling you this morning, how many people think that God did a good job of one-upping the devil? Amen. Anybody think He did? I think He's the champion one upper. Don't you? don't you think so? I think he really is. You can't, you can't outdo God. Look what he's done for our behalf. And you know what? The best is still to come. The scripture says it like this, said that they took the body of Jesus down from the cross. They put it, they wrapped it in linen, and they put it in a tomb. Matthew 27 says the religious leaders had got together, and when they got together, they, um, they decided we better watch out for these people. And so here's what they did. It says, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go in and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And then the last fraud will be even greater than the first. Pilate said to them, hey, you have a guard of soldiers. Go and make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing it, by rolling a stone in front of it and sealing this stone and setting a guard. So get the picture. We want to make sure this Jesus doesn't get out of this tomb. We've got him now, right? We finally, we've finished this plan of God off. Let's seal it with a stone. We're going to put a, a, a secure seal, a wax seal around it, and we're going to put a guard there to make sure that nobody steals him away, make sure he doesn't get out. I love this. Look at Matthew chapter 28. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold... There was a great earthquake. I I love the contrast here. They roll a stone into place and God says, oh, I think I'll just one up that. I'll just shake the whole earth, right? The angel comes. He says, what? It says this. It says that, and um, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he came and he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. I like this. The enemy's sitting there going, ah, we finally, we've got it. And and God's up there going, "Uh, angel. Let's go, man. And so we see this angel dispatched from heaven like lightning. He comes and he says, you know what? It's time to one up the enemy for all time. He rolls away the stone and says, this will just be a good place to sit down and relax a little bit. And he sits on the stone one more time. It seemed like they had ended the plan. They had one up God. Jesus was dead. Man, what, what, what could happen now? Well, the scripture shows us right there that God had a different plan, a plan to one-up by bringing Jesus up from the dead, from bringing him out of the grave. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. But folks, listen, we're not here just to celebrate it. We're not here just to remember it. What, what, what an offense that would be. What a, that would be giving in to the plan of the enemy today if all we did was just come and say, oh, yes, that's a wonderful thing. Way to go, God. You overcame the enemy God never allowed all this to happen. God never continued to show His power and His glory in this whole situation for us just to celebrate it. He came for us today to experience it. And that's what God's plan is. God's plan is for each and every one of us to experience it. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 puts it like this. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, who dwells in you. Anybody recognize that God has this awesome habit of turning things around? Anybody ever seen God turn something around in your life? Something that looked like it was just going to be tragic and it was going to be it was going to be hard. Uh, it was just going to be it was going to be unbearable, and God steps in and He turns it around. He reverses the irreversible. He, he comes to the place where human hands have done every single thing that they can possibly do and we lift our hands and go, there's nothing more I can do. And God says, well, that's a great place for me to step in because I can do a whole lot more than human hands can ever do. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That he can go far above and beyond anything that we can do. You know, the, the, the one caveat is this, is that, that God won't force it upon us He's waiting to be invited in. He's waiting to be invited into every situation and every circumstance. He's waiting to be invited into every trouble, to every struggle. He's, he's waiting for that time when it seems like that the flesh or the devil has won in our lives and he's standing there gloating and, and then and God's saying, hey, just invite me into that situation and that circumstance and one more time, I'll show my one-upping power on your behalf i'll let the same spirit the same work that raised christ from the dead come and work on your behalf now i don't know about you this morning i want that i need that in my life anybody else here think you know i could use that i mean really i'm sure that there's some of us here who maybe have some habits in our life that we've struggled with, we've put our hands to it. We've we've tried to tackle them time and time again, but but God, I really could use your help. Now, I I don't want to I don't want to over spiritualize this morning. I don't know how you could over spiritualize somebody coming back to life, right? But but as as I've been praying this week, um, one of the this point right here, the Lord said, "There's going to be some people this morning that." That, you know, they come to church and it's Easter Sunday and, and that's an acceptable thing to do. It's a social thing to do. It's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a, it goes along with the theme of what happens in the, the rest of society. But in the back of their heart in the back of their mind, they're just thinking, God, if you really do help people, God, I could use your help today. Maybe it's not something you're very out front about. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just been a wish Maybe it's just been a a kind of something that's been rolling around in your heart today. And, And I want to tell you, God has heard that. Listen to me this morning. God knows where you need help. God knows where the struggle's at. God knows where you need the wisdom to make right choices. God is he cares about the that that thing that's been plaguing your mind that he wants to set you free from. He 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 says, look, I'm willing to step in and I'm willing to give you the strategy that you need to make your life whole and to make your life complete. To let you come to the place where you can truly live, the life that I've created you to live. So no matter how long you've walked with the Lord today. Maybe it's been a week or a lifetime. I believe that there's something today that God wants us to experience in a fresh new way. I believe that there's some people here today who say, God, you know what, I've been trying to deal with, I want peace in my mind. I've been trying to deal with these voices and struggles for so long, but today, and you know what I believe? I believe today God's saying, if you'll just invite me in, if you'll welcome me to come in, then today I will do the work that I've completed. I'll do it in your life. The work that I completed through Jesus Christ. Today, there's some of us here that need to say, Lord, I've known about you for a long time. But God, today I want to I want to believe in you. I want to put my trust in you. I want to accept you. And there may be some people here today that, that maybe you've never come to know the Lord. Maybe you know about Jesus, but you've really never put your whole life in his hands and say, God, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to do that today. Today's the day. When you can allow God to bring all of his one-upping power into, uh, into existence in your life. And so here's how I want to wrap up the service this morning, all right? Three points. Here we go. Number one, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life today, all you have to do is ask him. God's not playing games with you. He's not trying to make it difficult. As a matter of fact, all the difficult stuff was already done in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life today. I want you to come in and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And so, God, I surrender my life to you right now. All right. Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a second. And and let me ask you, if that's you this morning, is there somebody here this morning that says, you know what, I've never really, really given my life to Jesus. And I'd like to do that this morning. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want today, I want to receive everything that God has for me in, my, in a new life with Jesus Christ. Would you just lift your hand this morning? All right. The second point, if you this morning have an area in your life where you need God to come and to bring healing, there's a place that's hurting in your heart this morning and you need healing or you need freedom. Maybe there's some area where you've been struggling and Time after time, you come back. You find yourself right back at that same place. But today, you want to be free. Today, you, want, you, you need peace in your life today. You, you need peace in a very special way today in your life. Just to... to there's some others this morning. You've been dealing with some, some stresses. You've been dealing with some confusion about, about decisions, about how to live something out. And Would you like God to just come in and to help you? Yes, yes. And finally, how about this? Is there anybody here that today just wants a, to experience the resurrection power of the Spirit of God in a fresh way? Anybody that says, Jesus, for all that you've done, as the living Lord and Savior of the world, I want that resurrection power living in me in a fresh new way. Is that anybody? Why don't you just lift your hand and say, that's me this morning. I want a freshness of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I want a freshness in my walk with you, God. I want, a, I want a freshness in the freedom. Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. All right, well, let's do this. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray today, all right? Matter of fact, why don't, why don't you just start off by doing this and repeating after me this morning in prayer and just say, Lord Jesus. It's good. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I love you today. Thank you for everything. That you did in your life, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you for all of the blessings and for the favor and for the goodness you pour out on my behalf. Today, I give you my life. I ask you now to come into my life, to forgive my sins, to help me to live the life. You created me to live. I thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and my savior. In Jesus name. Now I want to pray for you and Jesus. There are others this morning that have just asked God. They've said they've raised their hand. They've acknowledged, Lord, I need some freedom. I need some healing. I need some peace in my heart and in my life. And God, I, I, there are others that have said, I want a I freshness. I want to I be refilled, renewed, walking in the, a fresh experience of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just ask right now that you would do that. I pray that you would touch every man, every woman, every boy and girl, my brothers and sisters, God. God, friends, Lord, I just ask that you will reach out now, Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I welcome you. I receive that work in my life today. I receive Jesus all that You've done for me. For it's in Your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.